0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I want to talk to you today, if it's all right, on how we actually enter in to our personal promised lands. Before I go any further, Mark, I want to pay attention to this because I believe everyone in this room has a desired destination by God. You know what the will of God is? It's God's desire for your future. What is the will? It's God's desire for this season. And I don't care if you're old, if you're young, if you have a lot, you have a little. There is a promise, that uh, a place that God has in mind for you for this season. If you believe it, come on, can I get an amen? amen. And so today I want to talk to you about how do you get in to a promise, the promises of the land that God's calling you to inherit, that fruitful land. The land that you feel fulfilled. That you're not living for a paycheck, you're living for a calling. It's not a career, it's a calling. It's not a living to survive and have a good life. I'm tired of good living. I want a God lifestyle. Well, I just want to get good grades, get a good house, good wife, good, good neighborhood, good school, good retirement, good fi- 401k, good, good. I, I don't want a good life. I want to do what God put me on the earth to do. Anybody else? And so I want you to know today that you are not an accident. That's a good spot for an amen. You're not, my parents said, you came from God. Parents might not have planned on you, but God did. You came through your parents, but you came from God. God does not make mistakes. Every one of you has a purpose in every season of your life. And I want to talk to you today about how do you, once you know what the problem is and who the promised land's for, how do you enter into it? And if you're taking notes today, my title of this message this morning is uh, one more thing remember one more thing remember let's uh let's let's go to joshua chapter four i'm going to read uh eight verses out of joshua chapter four if you need a church i'm going to pray real fast i'll tell a couple stories if you laugh we call them call them jokes if you don't laugh it's just not good (laughs) my wife gauges my messages by how much she laughs totally doesn't care about the word doesn't care about the anointing It just wasn't good enough today (laughs) kidding that's true though um joshua chapter 4 uh if you got your bible let's read eight verses together it says it came to pass when all the people oh let me give you some context because a scripture outside of context is just a con come on <laughs> context is uh three million people walk on the other side of the jordan river through through, through dry <laughs> shandai come on <laughs> through dry ground is what i was trying to say and uh They walk through this river on dry ground. God does a miracle. The moment the ark, the presence of God, went into the river, God stopped the flow of the river. Three million people walk through. And for the first time in 500 years, a promise made 650 years prior to a guy named Abraham, that your descendants would one day possess the land of Canaan. Canaan being the most prestigious real estate in the known world, along the Mediterranean Sea, separating Europe from Africa, 10,000 square miles of lush, very, very uh, agriculturally rich, fertile ground inhabited by some of the scariest giants in the world. And God would promise Abraham 650 years prior that one day your great, great, great grandkids are going to come back here. They're going to camp in this this valley. They're going to own land here. They're going to possess houses. And so we pick up the story on a very exciting day after 400 years of slavery, after four decades in a wilderness with 3 million people. We pick up reading the day they crossed the Jordan. Are you with me? Chapter 4. And it came to pass. When all the people completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourself 12 men. How many? We talk back here at Ocean's Church. Come on. How many? 12 men from among the people, one from every tribe. And and command them saying, take for yourself 12 stones from here, the Jordan, out of the middle of the the Jordan, and place them uh, where the priest stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge, where you camp out tonight. Stack 12 stones stones then joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed the children of israel and one from every tribe he said to them cross over before the ark of the lord into the midst of the jordan each one take for yourself a stone and put it on your shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of israel and this shall be a sign among you when your kids ask in the time to come what in the world is up with these stones then you will answer them But the waters of the Jordan were cut off at flood stage before the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, and we crossed over on dry ground, and these stones shall be as a memorial to your children of Israel, of all the people, forever. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded, took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them and placed them where they camped camps i want to talk to you today about uh one more thing remember yeah. let's pray god i just thank you that uh everyone in this room uh has a great future and man if you hear nothing else today, i just feel like that's for someone yeah. that you need to know that suicide is not an option that uh giving up is not a way out that god has good days best days of your family your business your finances are not behind you god has good days so, Lord, I ask you today that you would show us that you have a land flowing with milk and honey, come on, and Chick-fil-A, that, God, you have some good stuff in store for us. We thank you that, as Kanye says, says Jesus is king. And God, we invite you to show people all over this room that you are the king of kings, you are the Lord of lords, and you're good. I thank you for what you've done for the Lakers organization as I've prayed the last 60 Sundays. Good days ahead in Jesus' name. You believe it. Say amen. I do want to make a point there that Lakers were not good when I moved here. So you're welcome. I have two kids, two little girls. I have an 11-year-old and a 4-year-old. My 4-year-old is like a blender that's missing a lid. (laughs) Chloe McCarthy. She's a firecracker. I'm really proud. I think one of my greatest achievements is keeping two humans alive that long. But like the job of parents really is, uh, it's really navigating your children away from danger. Yeah. People say, What's the main, what's the primary description of parenting? It's like avoiding danger, yeah. it's what you do all the time. Put your jacket on, Chloe. No, you put it on, little girl, you get pneumonia, you get it's dangerous, <laughs> mess your life up, okay, daddy. She puts on her jacket. She gets in the parking lot, right? She gets that little death death run. (laughs) Chloe, get over here. You run in the parking lot, you run over, you get squished like a bug. So I tell her, you get squished like a bug. Oh, sorry. It's like that's dangerous, Chloe. Come here, hold daddy's hand. Okay, yes, daddy, yes, daddy. And I'm warning her of danger all the time. Brush your teeth. I don't want to. No, I'm not brushing my teeth. Your teeth are gonna fall out. Not gonna be able to chew solid foods. It's dangerous. So you warn her okay, daddy, I'll brush my teeth. And then, my gosh, sleep? What's sleep? What is sleep? I feel like every night there is three negotiations. It's trying to get my kids to brush their teeth. It's trying to get them to go into the room. And then it's trying to get them to fall asleep. It's like a reverse hostage negotiation. I'm not trying to bribe you to come out. I'm trying to bribe you to stay in. You go in that room, and I'll put a helicopter on this roof. I'll give you any of your demands. Go in there and close your eyes. I would like to talk to the human being that obviously wasn't a parent that coined the phrase night-night. I got problems with this individual. I don't even know if he's in heaven. Because he obviously was. I've never once been in a scenario that I told my kids, okay, night-night, and they went to sleep. I actually have to start with anger now. I have to. Go to bed now. And they're like, okay, daddy. And I'm like, okay. And then I get in bed, I'm like, close your eyes now. Set the start at a 10, amen? And then they actually do it, and then I'm like, okay. You got to start strong, amen? Getting smarter as I get older. Hardest time to remind your kids of what's dangerous is when they're excited. Have you noticed this? When kids get excited, they just forget everything. My kids forget everything. When we're going to like, Disneyland the next day, it's like, forget going to sleep. They're too excited. They'll forget everything. They forget about sleeping, brushing their teeth. They'll forget to put their clothes out the night before. My little four-year-old loves preschool, thank God. And she gets so excited, she'll forget her backpack, her lunch, her water bottle. And I have to, my job as a parent, again, reminding her of danger, is I say, Chloe, and we'll get to the school, and she starts running out, you know, starts running out. I say, Chloe. Look at daddy. Remember, did you did you forget something? Where's your backpack? Oh, 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 yeah. She goes back, grabs her back. where's where where's your little sippy cup? Oh yeah, dad, I forgot my sippy cup. She grabs her sippy cup. Chloe, where where's your lunchbox? Oh, I forgot. She was so excited that I had to stop and I try to do this as much as I can. I say, Chloe, you remember what mommy and daddy told you? You remember what mommy and daddy told you. And then I'll tell her, I'll say, and you remember. You remember who you are today, Miss Chloe. You're a Francie. You're special. (laughs) And I have this little pep talk I have with my kids. And uh, it's funny because I think that, you know, as a parent, when your kids get excited, that's usually when they're most vulnerable to actually forget the important things. And what I've learned in the human condition is we're really good at forgetting what we're supposed to remember. And we're really, really good at, at remembering what we're supposed to forget. Can we all agree in the room? It's like, man, everything I don't want to remember seems to be vividly etched in my brain. And everything I want to forget is like, oh, my God. Everything I want to remember is like, where did that go? And uh, it's funny to me, but I was thinking about how, you know, these these 3 million people for the first time in 500 years are camping on the other side of the Jordan River. They're so excited. Their great-grandparents told them stories about, man, one day, We're going to cross over that Jordan, that beautiful land of of Canaan. It's going to be our land. Those scary enemies over there, God's going to give them to us. And those cities, we're going to live in those cities. We're going to enjoy their vineyards. We're going to eat those grapes. And they grew up with stories about one day navigating the impossible, living in an impossible place. And finally, can you imagine how exciting this day was that Joshua gets up in front of everybody and says, all right, guys, you know that promise that God made to Abraham 650 years ago? You know how he told Jacob and Isaac hundreds of years ago? Guess what? Tomorrow is the big day. You consecrate yourself. Get yourself ready to go. Come on. Read a couple Bible verses. Come on. Do some push-ups. Come on. Some, 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 uh, do some burpees. Get the blood flowing. We're going to enter into the promised land. And So the next day, the, sure enough, the priest grabbed the, grabbed the ark, which is about a three-by-two-by-two by two box that had the presence of God literally inside of it. And the moment the souls of the priests put their feet inside of the Jordan River that was at flood stage, mind you, the water actually dried up miles downstream, formed a wall. The wall was huge. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> Tough crowd. Um, big wall of water. And they walked through on dry ground. That's what the Bible says. And uh, they got through the other side of this, this uh, Jordan, and they're excited. They're, can you imagine the adrenaline's pumping? Joshua thinks it's worth mentioning that there's about 40,000 soldiers that cross through first. Their adrenaline, I'd imagine, is going, if God could dry up this river, what else could he do? Those guys in Jericho, that impossible city, if God can do this to the river, like he did to the Red Sea, if God is with us like this, it's go time. Let's go defeat somebody. Adrenaline is surging, man. Excitement is raging. raging. And God, like a good parent, wants to shout to his kids, Hey, guys, I know you're excited. I know you're forgetting your lunch, your sippy cup, and everything else that's important about today. But before you go any further, before you enter into the promised land, I got two requests for you. You need to remember, come on, one thing you got to do. You must remember a couple of things. And the first thing he does, he goes, before you go any further... In face impossibilities, you got to do two things if you want to know how to possess the promises that God has for your life. Number one is you got to actually do this. You got to remember what God has done. Yeah. And I've learned this in my own life that God has big giants in front of you that you're going to defeat. Great victories in store for you, but a lot of times those victories, those those battles are intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been there before. That it's so easy to forget about the things that God has already done. And you get like this short term memory loss of like, all you see is how big Goliath is. And all you see is how he's taunting. And all you see is how, man, we're, 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 I don't know if this is gonna work. I don't know if God's gonna come through. But I love the fact that God has one mandate. He goes, hey, before you go any further, one more thing you gotta do is remember to uh, grab some stones. I want you to write this down stack stones. I believe that every promised land requires beforehand a premeditated event. That you would actually stack stones, almost have a trophy room in your brain of what God has already done. It's amazing that so many times God will do great things for us, but we forget about them. We forget. So he says, all right, before, look guys, I know you want to charge Jericho today. But before you charge Jericho, there's two things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to remember who I am. So I want you to remember what I did today. Go back to the Jordan. And grab 12 stones, and I want you to bring the stones, and you're going to stack the stones right next to where you can. And I'm asking you to stack the stones for three reasons. Number one is because there's giants in the land that I'm going to give you, and every day you want to be fearful of them. I want you to look at the stones of how I made a Jordan River dry up. And the faith of what I have done will give you the courage needed to see what God will do. And I'll tell you, before you charge Jericho, you got to look back at your Jordans. Some of you are so obsessed, man, I got a Jericho in front of me, a a possible situation in front of me. We got to charge this city in front of me. And a lot of times before you go and kill Goliath, God has to remind you of the bears and the lions. I love the little redheaded shepherd boy that was barefoot. He was a homeschooler. Come on. His name was David. He was a pizza delivery man. It says he was delivering, uh, it was, I think it talks about like bread and it was dough and cheese. That's pizza. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he was delivering pizza to his brothers and he hears a story about this nine foot giant taunting people saying, and I, I defy you to give a man that would fight for me. People say, man, that's crazy. It was a type and shadow what Jesus would do for us. Wow. De- Goliath says, if you win, we'll be your servants. If I win, you'll be my servants. Years ago, I got frustrated about, man, it's kind of crazy. Why are all of us kind of in a bad place because of one man's idiot moment? Adam makes one mistake, and all humanity is cursed. And I kind of got frustrated by it, but then I realized it was the brilliancy of God. It was the genius nature of who God was. Because he knew that if it only took one man to screw everything up, that thousands of years later, it would only take one man to correct everything. That's a good spot for an amen. Maybe a hand clap for God. Jesus fixed everything that Adam lost in one day. And I love Goliath. He's like, Ah! If I win, you serve me. If you win, we serve you. And David comes on the scene. Everyone's panicking, and we know the story. The king Saul. He goes. He goes to this guy named David. He's a homeschooler. He's he's got long flowing red hair. He's barefoot. He hangs out with sheep. He plays a harp. He's a come on. He's a musician. I love our musicians, man. I don't want some of my musicians playing, come on, on my, on my football team. Come on, I want the guy that is not musically inclined at all. The guy that can barely spell his name. Come on, that's the guy. That's the guy I want fighting for me. <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was thinking about this. And he goes, if I win, we win. And Saul goes, you really? You, you want to fight this giant? And I love David because he goes, yeah, that's a Jericho, that's an impossibility, that's a, that's a giant. But I want you to know that before we fight today's giants, we got to remember about yesterday's bears and lions. I want you to know that one time I was in the fields playing my harp, doing my thing, and there was a lion that came in, snatched one of the things that God gave me authority over. And when the, devil tried to, when the, when the, when the lion tried to pull out of my life, I actually grabbed my slingshot. Got really good with this thing. And I struck that thing, and it died. There's another day a bear came, tried the same thing. Big bear, big old bear, you know, big. (laughs) And literally, I did to the bear what I did to the lion. And I want you to know, I have have faith in today's battle because I can remember, I've stacked enough stones that I can remember what God has done. We stack stones for multiple reasons, all found in chapter 4, because we stack stones because number one there's going to be discouraging moments that you're like how is this ever going to happen but you go back and you remember Got my wife and I right now we're like trying to buy a house down here we're like wait I remember buying our first house we had no money I remember buying our second house we walked through it as a model home while it was being built and we said God I could see us living in this house one day we had no money for it we were making I think I was a janitor I think I was paying the church to work there (laughs) walked through this beautiful house and literally, I felt like the Lord just even today he just reminded me, he said, Mark, if I could do what I did in Idaho, I could do it down here in California. you got to stack stones sometimes to remind yourself of what God has done. And it kind of gives you this attitude, man, if he did it there, then he can do it again. And it says not only for that reason, it says because one day your kids are going to come and go, what are these dumb stones all about? Why do we go to church all the time? Why do you tie to Mom, de- grandma, grandpa, why do you make me go to youth group on Wednesday? Mom, why, why, why? And here's the problem. Our society is cool, uh, proselytizing everything except faith. Wow. It is the weirdest thing to me that no one in this room would be offended. Like my friends, Chris and Anna, diehard Seahawks fans. And I, I loved it because this morning I saw their son wearing a Seahawks t-shirt. No one's offended when you push your sports teams on your kids. They should have their own choice. They should cheer for whoever they want to cheer for. Kenzie, in our home, we will serve the, the, Lake, the Lord. We will love the Lakers, but we will serve the Lord. And I'm telling I will proselytize. Kenzie, we are Francies. We clean up our mess. We finish what we start. We make our beds. Come on, we take out our trash. We have no problem discipling in every area except with our faith. Society's like, no, you should just let your kids wander in the streets wherever they want. The Bible says to stack stones. I'm not suggesting that you push faith on your kids, but I am suggesting that you tell your kids what God has done for you. You tell your kids who you were before God got a hold of your life. That's just like brain, brainwashing. How about it's called good parenting? Kenzie, look at daddy. I know what it's like to get addicted to dark things. Look at me. I, you want to know what daddy was like before you met mommy? You want to know how much hopelessness I live with, how many drugs I did, how many parties I attended, how many places I went looking for the love that I found in the church. I'm not proselytizing my child. I'm, sh- I'm showing her the stones that God has stacked in my life. And I want you to know that is not a, that is not a bad parenting thing. That is a Christian idea. There's actually going to be a day that your kids are going to come to you and say, Mom, Dad, why do we sacrifice the first animal in our, in our, in our, the Bible says, there's going to be a day that the, your kids are going to come to you and say, why do you do what you do? And the Bible says, in that day, you grab your kid, you put him on your lap, and you remind them of who you were before Jesus came. One day, my Kenzie came in. She saw me writing our ties check when she was a little girl. She has a pretty good concept of money because she likes Barbies when she was a kid. She knew much Barbie's cost. She's a pretty smart human being. And so one day, she saw me write my tithes check in our office at our old house. And uh, she walked in. Her eyes got really big. She goes, what in the world? What is that, Daddy? That's a big number. And obviously, when you're six, everything's a big number. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm Daddy's writing a, We're writing our check to the church. She goes, whoa, Daddy. That's a lot of money. She goes, that's a lot of Barbies. Daddy, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remember the verse Moses wrote in the law. He said, the day will come that your, parents, your, your kids are going to come to you and say, why did you stack these stones? Why do you honor God with these offerings and these sacrifices? And he said, in that moment, you grab your kid, you put him on your lap, and you say, you know, Daddy, that's what I did. Kenzie, Daddy wasn't always a good man. Daddy lived a dark life. Daddy had bad habits. And Daddy doesn't deserve all the things that he has right now including you but when daddy was 18 years old god with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm pulled your daddy out of that lifestyle gave me mommy and gave us the life that we have today so daddy freely gives to god out of gratitude not out of obligation we're gonna stack stones if you're gonna clap you've got a hand clap this morning How do, you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you enter into the promised land? I believe you enter in because you remember what God has done by stacking stones. In the last verse of chapter 4, he actually says it's not, just, and it's not just for encouragement for you or education for your kids. It's actually that the earth may know there is a God that's different than all the other deities on the planet. When you stack these stones, it's going to remind everyone that lives around you that doesn't know Jesus there is a God that with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm open up a Red Sea and a Jordan River. And it's going it's to reveal to the world that there is a God that still does the impossible. That's why he said the stack stone. Stacking stones remind you of what God has done. But it just doesn't do that. I believe we enter in the promised land by number two. I think it's, it's not just remembering who God is and what he's done. It's, it's remembering whose you are. Kenzie, remember what I taught you. Remember what mommy and daddy told you. See, there's challenges in life, but we stack stones to remind ourselves of the time that God answered prayers. We stack stones and we go, remember that time we got in the car accident, we all should have died, but God spared us. Remember that time we almost filed bankruptcy, but God came through. Remember that time that our marriage was, I was just like, and God restored it. Do you remember that time that we prayed for our cousin and no one thought he was reachable, but God reached him. We stack stones to heighten faith for today's victory, for challenges. And challenges come, and I believe that's why we stack stones. Before Goliath, we have to remind God about the bears and the lions. And everyone said a good amen. amen. But then we're going to remember, this is what he says, number two, as the band comes up, I'm almost finished. In chapter 5, verse 2, he says, the second thing I want you to do after you stack the stones is I want you to get a flint knife. And I want you This to get awkward in here. I'm going I'm I'm to brush over this quickly. But I want you to circumcise all the males. This is a practice that was instituted 600 years before with Abraham. That this generation, out of all, all three million of them, two males were circumcised, Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them were in the wilderness. They were born in the desert. They were 40 years old and younger. And none of them were circumcised. And uh, it was a sign. It was a, it was a sign of the covenant. That the God's people the only ones on the earth. that, that in, the, in, old, in the Old Testament, God told Abraham to actually uh, eight days after a male was born, to circumcise him. And it was an outward expression of a separation to God. Actually, in the Old Testament, uh, circumcision is what water baptism is today. It's actually identifying with God in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's the way of stating that who I was is no longer who I am. It's God cutting off the old and actually making me new. Ephesians 4 says to put off the old and to put on the new man. And it's interesting because many people go, man, um, this is, is, by the way, scholars kind of scratch their heads. They go, man, this is probably the stupidest thing to do when you cross over into enemy territory. And you have all 31 kings coming after you from seven nations trying to actually stop what God's getting ready to do. And God's advice to you in chapter 2, or chapter 5 verse 2 is, Hey, guys, before you go any further, now that you're in the enemy territory, I want you to circumcise all the males. Now, I don't know about you, but I bet God, um, I think we need to be at full strength right now. By the way, can we just can we, can we do away with that whole circumcision idea? <laughs> Doesn't sound very good as a 38-year-old man. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I to try to talk God out of it because I'm like, we'd be vulnerable. And these guys knew the story of Levi and Simeon, how they actually raided an entire city because they mistreated their sister and they basically set them up. They, they were devious and they said, hey, circumcise all the men of your village and then we'll let you marry into our family. So all these Jews would have known the story of Simeon and Levi, how they killed an entire village because they were all wounded from circumcision. Are you tracking with me? And so they're like, wait, you want us to be vulnerable? And here's God's response. God would rather you have strong faith than just strong logic. And God wanted to know who they belonged to before they were worried about what they would do for God. I've learned this about God. Before he gives you promised lands, he'll always remind you whose you are before he shows you what you're called to do. For how could you do what you're supposed to do if you don't know who you are? That's why the heavens opened up when Jesus was baptized, before he ever did a miracle, before he ever preached a sermon, and the voice of God came before he did anything he said this is my son my beloved son in whom i am well pleased god's teaching us in the new testament what he's doing in the old testament that who you belong to is actually a precursor before you do anything great for god you know what we do before how do you get into your promised land? you got to remind yourself of what god has done stack stones and the second thing you got to do is very simple but you got to actually remind yourself of whose you are Chloe, look at daddy, you're a francie. One time, Kenzie, she was little, she, she had this kid at school kind of bully her one day. They're playing soccer out in the field, and this kid's like, You're not a good soccer player, you should not even play anymore. And that was like devastating to Kenzie. So She's in the car, she's all emo after school. And I'm not a high compassion guy, pray for me. And I looked in the mirror, and she's like, All down I'm like, Kenzie, what's wrong? She goes, She's like, Elizabeth said that I'm not a good soccer player. I shouldn't play anymore. I said, Kenzie, look in my eyes. What's your last name? Francie? That's right! It's like, Francies are great athletes. You've never played soccer before. You're going to be a great soccer player. If you want to play soccer, you're going to be a great soccer player. She kind of looked startled, a little, little tased. I said, I said Kenzie, you got to realize this. Your mom, she was an all-state basketball player. She could have been a collegiate swimmer. Your mom was a great athlete. And she's easy to look at too. Come on, somebody. I said, your mama, I said, don't even get me started about your dad. I was like, you are a Francie. And I said, what flows through my veins flows through your veins. You are my, you are our offspring. So I got, I got to do this for you. you. You can't not be athletic. You can't not be a leader. You can't not be a world changer. For what's in us is in you. And I had to remind my little Kenzie when she was five, six years old of who she is, whose she is. And I feel like some of you are getting your butts kicked and you're like, man, well, my parents were addicts and my, my, everyone in my family cheats and steals and gets divorced and lies and everyone in my family is addicted to alcohol and everyone in my family goes to rehab. Listen to me. you got to remember this. You might have a biological family, but I want to remind you that you also have a spiritual family. It's a spiritual lineage and you might have natural blood that says Francie but you have spiritual blood that says Christ and I believe this that the same access we have to our parents naturally by faith we have to God spiritually and you might say well, my natural dad is, a, is an angry man but my heavenly father is very very calm, cool, and collected so I'm going to walk with a reverent swagger like my heavenly father that, that what's in him is in me I'm gonna remind myself of whose I am that I'm actually a child of God I'm a friend of Jesus that I'm actually complete in Jesus lacking nothing I'm gonna remind myself when I'm facing Jericho's that I'm free from condemnation that I'm God's co-worker that I'm Christ's workmanship that I'm a citizen of heaven that I'm adopted in Jesus' family that I'm born of God and whatever is born of God overcomes the world I'm gonna remind myself that I was bought at a price that I'm actually separated, and nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'm going to remind myself that I find grace and mercy in any time of need. And as Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You remind yourself of whose you are. And when Jericho's taunting you, and you're like, man, this is never going to happen, you do two things in those moments. You build a stack of stones of what God has already done, and then you start reminding yourself, God, I know who you are. And when I know who you are, I know who I am. And that is the identity crisis of the church. Is we don't know who we are because we don't know who he is. But when you start reading the promises of God, you go, you are a promise maker. And if you make promises, you keep them. I love three weeks ago, one of my friends in the church, he sent a picture of the Bible he just bought. He ordered a brand new Bible. And we started texting back and forth. I love the fact that people are reading this book because you'll never know who you are by looking for yourself. You find yourself by looking for God and that's the weird thing about our culture, it's like well I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to backpack for six years and I'm going to try to find myself, you have never found yourself by looking for you I'm going to go to all the other automotive maker factories and I'm going to try to find out how my car was built from another automaker I don't go to Chevy Ford, come on I don't go to Honda or Toyota if I am a Tesla. And I'm associated with Tesla this morning by faith. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I go to Tesla to find out how Teslas are operated. I go to the maker of Tesla to find out how I am wired. I'm just gonna go find myself. You don't find yourself, you lose yourself in God. And it's in losing yourself in his presence That you start going, man, I think I'm called to preach I think I'm called to business I think I'm called to change the educational paradigm I think I'm called to actually raise up businessmen in Orange I think I'm called to mentor young marriages I think, I think, I think I'm called to build Oceans Church I think I'm called to finance some of the vision I think I'm called to disciple young people I think I'm called to high school ministry Are you following me today? You lose yourself in his presence And you go, that's what I'm called to do So we're going to be a church that enters into the promises of God in the promised land of God by stacking memorial stones, remembering what God has already done, and by actually just making a decision today. Say, God, you know what? I remember whose I am. I'm your child. And every time the devil tries to remind you of your past, all you got to do is remind him of his future. I have a dark past, but you have a really hot future. God's got good plans for you. And I want you to know that everything that's against you, there's more for you than against you. Some people are, well, there's demons and devils. I want you to know that it says that a third of the, of the angels fell with Lucifer. I'm no mathematician, but if a third fell, that means there's still two-thirds for you. So for every demon, there's two angels. But to give you a little reference points, Revelation says it only took one angel to bind up Lucifer and throw him in the lake of fire. So if one angel could take care of the devil, I'm pretty sure we're okay. So dark. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's no longer I who live, my old addictions, my old habits. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life that we go on living in the, faith we live by, in the flesh, we live by faith. In the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. I'm telling you this morning, I just feel like I want you to know there is a promised land, there is a promiser, and you get into the land by stacking stones of faith and by remembering who you are. Yeah. Whose you are. Chloe, look at me. Don't forget your backpack. One more thing, I gotta remind you. One more thing. Don't forget who you, whose you are. And don't remember, Kenzie, Chloe, don't remember, don't forget. Remember, remember this. Remember this. Don't forget. Don't forget what God's done for you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.